Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese in Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest, or guest who's been on several times, is Father Ed Broom. He is an oblate of the Virgin Mary. He's also the author of Total Consecration Through the Mysteries of the Rosary, and also another book, From Humdrum to Holy. Uh, you can follow Father Ed at his blog at Father Broom's blog. Hey, Father, thanks for joining us today. Great to be with you. Great to be with you. Thank you for inviting me again. No problem. Well, it was about a year ago we talked about the five ways to resist the attacks of the devil. And you just re- wrote, uh, recently wrote another article called The Ten Most Common Lies from the Devil, which I thought would be great to talk about so that people can be aware because for, being forewarned is forearmed, isn't it? Definitely, yes. You start off the article talking about the different names of the devil. What kind of significance is there in not only the biblical names, but the names that the saints have given Satan? Yes, uh, the biblical names would be the ancient serpent, and then you also have Satan and the devil. And Jesus actually says that the devil is a he's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Then uh, once you get into the saints, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas gives a very succinct definition of the devil. He's a tempter. Uh, St. Peter says that the devil is like a roaring lion who is seeking who he can devour. And then you have uh, St. Ignatius that calls the devil the enemy of our human nature. And then I like one of the images that St. Augustine gives. He says that the devil is like, he's like an angry dog, like a pit bull on a chain. So these are... um, good definitions of the devil to know the different ways that he tries to get into our lives and to tempt us so that we we fall into sin. So I think it's a good idea before we get into the typical temptation of the devil to try to define actually who he is, uh, what his tactic is, and what is the strategy that he used to try to trip us up and fall into sin. Well, I think that's a great idea because, look, if you're not aware of him and if and you don't know how he's going to act, then it's awful hard to build a defense. It's kind of like going up against a team and not watching the films all week to see how what kind of offense or defense they have. If you have material and things that can help you, why not use it? And right, we do have a playbook on how the devil operates, and so there's no excuse not to be aware of that, is there? That's right. Um, one of the key elements of the church fathers is a two-word axiom, and it's um, know thyself. And St. Ignatius Loyola in the spiritual exercises insists that we have to do a daily examine of our lives to see how the good spirit is working as well as the evil spirit. Even um, experts in history have this um, one-line proverb, he who does not know history is to can is will can we will repeat the same errors. So this self knowledge is is essential for us if we're going to uh, conquer the enemy. So I think yeah, we start off with self knowledge, and this um, 
this gives us a, a, a huge barrier to prevent the fiery darts that the enemy tries to shoot at us. Well, and he's good at shooting darts, right? And he's really good because he really he hates God and he hates all humanity, which you talk about in the article. So we're not talking about somebody who uh, has some kind of empathy for us. This is somebody who's trying to ruin us and keep us from heaven, right? What you're saying is very true. He really, he hates God and he hates those who are created in the image and likeness of God. And he'll do all, all he possibly can to trip us up. And I've been thinking about this lately. The devil has, the devil is filled with vices. But one thing that he doesn't have, the devil is not lazy. The devil works, you might say, 25 hours a day, eight days a week, and 366 days a year. And he, he's looking for the opportunity to tempt us and to trip us up. So we should have no compassion on the devil whatsoever because... Um, he just wants, he hates us, and he, he, wants, he wants us to go to hell. And if we meditate upon hell, <laughs> that's the last place we want to we wanna end up, and we don't want to be separate from God. We don't want to be with him. He's not going to be a good companion in the least. Well, you know, all anybody needs to do today is to sit back and look at what's going on in our world. Just look at our country, right? Over the last year, the anarchy, you know, you have Antifa, you have Black Lives Matter, you have riots, you have people hating each other. I mean, when you look back, you think, you know what? The devil, you got to give him credit as much as uh, you don't want to. Definitely, he's not lazy because he is having some great success and people are trying to destroy each other, aren't they? That's right. Uh, the devil, uh, one of the works of the devil is he tries to divide us. Uh, the spirit of divisiveness, the spirit of division. He wants to pit the political parties against each other. He wants to create social unrest. He wants to create div division within the family. He wants to create division within the church. And he wants to create even the division within ourselves because when we when we commit sin, we're really we're causing this certain division within ourselves. So instead of an integration a harmony of intellect and will and emotion, there's a disintegration in the human person. And also what's behind the work of the devil, he knows that the family is, as Vatican II points out, it is the domestic church. And as John Paul II points out, that the family is a basic building block of society. The devil really pushes to get uh, dysfunctional families, because you get dysfunctional dysfunctional families, you have a lot of wounded individuals, and the devil goes after uh, goes after us so that we become these these gaping wounds, and that we don't bring these wounds to Christ. Now, if we bring these gaping wounds to Christ, he's known as the wounded healer; he can heal us. But if we don't bring the wounds to Christ, they become gaping wounds, and we end up by wounding even more wounded people. Yeah, it's, it's kind of self-perpetuating. And, uh, you know, in your first example, you talk about desolation, right? I mean, when he can get us to feeling discouraged, sad, depressed, I mean, he puts the full court press on. He doesn't let up at that point. He really comes at, you know, he smells blood in the water and goes after us, doesn't he? Yes, he can. Um, this, is, it's a, it's, this is a universal concept 
applicable to every person who lives on planet Earth is that we all go through times of desolation. And if you're not familiar with the word desolation, it's used in the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius, actually number four in the Rules for Discernment. And desolation, when you experience a lack of faith, a lack of hope, a lack of charity, you feel discouraged, you feel depressed, you feel disoriented, you feel that um, you're not really understood, no one seems to care too much about you. Now, whether we like it or not, that is the common common lot of humanity, that all people go through desolation. The problem is this. Not that we go through desolation, but we don't know what to do when we're in desolation. That's where the devil takes advantage of that state. And uh, my my second point in the temptation of the devil, which follows the state of desolation, is that he, I call it the kryptonite rule. And you probably remember Superman was very strong, (laughs) except when he was exposed to kryptonite, and he became debilitated by exposure to kryptonite. Now we have... We all have our own kryptonite, and uh, that's why I think it's a good idea when you're you're doing the spiritual exercises to get to know your kryptonite. You can find your kryptonite if you go through categorically what are called the the, the capital sins. Um, and our listeners, you might you might identify with one or two of these um, these capital sins. I'll just mention uh, briefly, and it could be that of gluttony. It could be that of lust. It could be that of avarice. It could be that of sloth. It could be that of envy. It could be that of uh, anger. It could be that of pride. Those are the seven capital sins. Now, you might, some of the listeners might be thinking, well, Father, I've got all of those, which is probably <laughs> true. However, there's going to be there's going to be a predominant one and probably a major one and a minor one. And the devil, who's an excellent archer, he, he lifts his bow and arrow and he shoots for those weak points, which are called kryptonite, uh, so that he can um, shoot for the kill. I mean, he, he has no mercy. I mean, he's going for the juggler vein. He's, he's going for the weak point. He wants to knock us down. He wants to bind us. He wants to blind us. He wants to deafen us. He wants to drag us um, from this place where we're living in the eternal fire of hell. I mean, that's, that's really what he wants to do. But the desolation and the kryptonite are two typical tools that the devil uses to uh, to trip us up. And we have to be aware of that. You know, I like the fact that, you know, you talk about, you know, the devil is aware of facial expressions. You know, you can see when we're sad, depressed, discouraged. I mean, he could read us like a cheap novel, but he can't read our minds. Right. It's it's our actions that really speak volumes to us. I mean, he's the type of guy you do not want to play poker against because you will lose every time because he is a master really real at at watching us because he's constantly watching us and he sees our weaknesses, he sees our emotion, and he and he pounces, doesn't he? Yes, as you said, Deacon, he, he cannot read our minds, and he cannot force our will. That he cannot do. But uh, you said it really well. He, he studies us very minutely. He sees uh, 
He sees when we have, fall, we have fallen before, and he can sometimes anticipate our fall because he knows our past history. Not only does he know our past history, but he knows also the past history of our parents and our grandparents. So you might say he's an excellent psychologist because he studies with the utmost detail our past. Um, we should never forget, however, that uh, our guardian angels and the Blessed Mother and God himself are much more powerful than the enemy, the devil. I've often said that um, when I give talks on the spiritual exercise, the two standards, Pope Paul VI says that there are two of extremes that we should, we should avoid with respect to the devil. One extreme is we should, not, we should not deny the devil, because if we deny the devil, then he's, he'll be able to get into us because we're denying his existence. The other extreme would be if we actually give too much power to the devil. Now and then you'll meet people that are spiritual people, and almost every, every second, second concept that they're saying, they mention the devil. In other words, they're speaking more about the devil than they're speaking about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I think that those are those are two extremes that we try we should try to avoid that of that of denying his existence, which the modern intellectual life tends to do. But the other the other extreme is we we talk too much about the devil. We're actually empowering the devil to work more powerfully in our lives. Yeah, I mean, it's something we need to have an awareness, but if we grow in our love for our Lord, if we if we draw close to our mother, Virgin Mary, then we're not going to have anything to worry about. And so if we spend our time aware of how he operates, but drawing closer and growing in our love for the Lord, right? This month we have the, you know, the sacred heart of Jesus, the immaculate heart of Mary. If we grow to the heart of Jesus and the or sacred heart of Jesus and the immaculate heart of Mary, then we don't have anything to worry about, but we don't want to ignore it, but we can't be preoccupied, I think is what you're trying to say, right? Yes, that's a good point. And I, I'd like to just build upon that one more idea is if we go to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, we see our Lord, we, especially in the film of Mel Gibson, you can actually see the devil coming and tempting our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then you see that uh, our Lord prays all the more fervently and he, he sheds blood. And then the garden angel comes to comfort the Lord. But the apostles, they fell asleep. And one of the, one of the basic tools that the devil will work, he'll try to get us to abandon prayer or to pray less or to pray more fervently or to get us to be distracted in our prayer life. In other words, what the devil really tries to do he tries to attack the heart of our spiritual life, which is a prayer life. For that reason, uh, as, as you mentioned in my book, uh, Roadmap to Heaven, I've actually written three plans of life, three different plans of life that we should live. And one of the points that I emphasize is that we have to have a set time, which we're praying every morning, we're praying in midday, we're praying sometime in the afternoon, we're praying before we go to bed. In other words, we cannot simply follow our feelings in our spiritual life, but we have to have a set structure. And we have a set structure in our spiritual life that really militates very forcefully against the devil. Uh, the devil basically wants us to follow our feelings. No, Fulton Sheen, uh, 
a great man of God said <laughs> that history can be divided into these different epochs. In the time of Aquinas, the 13th century was the age of faith. In the 18th century would be the age of reason. Now we're living in the age of feeling, in which we just follow our feelings, our sentiments, our emotions more than anything else. And that's what the devil wants us to do with respect to desolation. We follow our feelings, and often our feelings, they're not really motivated by the good spirit. Often, often our feelings can lead us into sin, and the devil takes advantage of that. When people live by their feelings, it's like living on an emotional roller coaster, and it's exhausting. Uh, we won't be able to get into all 10 of the lies of the devil, but people can go to catholicexchange.com to look up your article. Again, they can go to Father Broom's blog. But I'd like to talk about, you know, number four, you talk about harbor resentments in your mind and heart. Because when we when this works out, he you, you mentioned he gets he gets a double victory, doesn't he? Yes. We have to come to terms with the reality that living with people, people are going to hurt us. And also, we will hurt people also. What the, um, what the devil wants us to do is the exact opposite of mercy, compassion, and forgiveness. He wants us, once we're hurt by someone, to get angry, to get bitter, to get resentful, and then as a result of that, it's like a uh, it's like a wound that you have on your foot or your hand, and you do nothing at all to disinfect it. So it becomes infected, it becomes uh, contaminated, and before you know, it, pus is coming out of it, and who knows, you might even have to have an amputation. So what what uh, resentment is. What, rather, what uh, cancer is to the body, resentment is to the soul, and the devil takes advantage of this resentment to, uh, to throw gasoline in that fire so that we're living. We're, we're, what happens with resentment is this. If, when it's exteriorized, people are living angry lives. And when it's interiorized, it turns into depression and sadness. So the devil rejoices when we have resentment because he's fostering anger, resentment, bitterness, uh, sarcastic remarks, gossip. All those are fruits of an angry heart that has been wounded and not having forgiven. If it becomes internalized, what happens is the person becomes sullen, morose, uh, and lives a life of sadness and depression. And with that state of soul, the devil will keep fanning the flame so that we can you know, react on this anger and, and bitterness. So we have a lot, of, a lot of murders out there today because the people are just over, they're brimming over with this anger and resentment they've never come, ter come to terms with. So I think it's very important that uh, upon being hurt by someone to pray right away, to try to forgive. Whenever bad thoughts surface against that person, to pray Hail Mary and ask the Blessed Mother to bless that person and so we can eventually have a healing process in our own hearts. You know, when I read that one, Father, it just that that was that's like the finger on the pulse of what we are today, right? We everybody wears their emotions on their sleeves. 
Everybody gets upset when somebody even looks at us cross-eyed. We have the cancel culture. So not only do we have the murder, right? Murder rates in cities are skyrocketing across the country, but suicide rates are up too. I mean, what you were just talking about basically is exactly what we are seeing in today's society. Murder rates up, suicide rates up. So anger and depression, I mean, the devil has got to be sitting back thinking, man, this is better than I could have dreamed. Yes. It has to be said also that all these these crimes, the violence, the suicide, the skyrocketing of pornography and drinking, all these vices, come as a result of this is that um, the human heart is made for God. And if we don't fill our we don't fill our hearts with God, then we fill our hearts with false gods. And that's what the devil wants us to do. The devil wants us to bow down to the false gods of the age, which would be today would be it'd be pleasure, it'd be power, it'd be sensuality, it'd be pornography, it would be drinking, it'd be drugs. All these are the false gods that the devil wants us to bow down and worship. And uh, you know that, that one liner of St. Augustine, I love the quote, he says, O Lord, you have made our hearts for thee, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. If we don't, re- we don't rest on the sacred heart of Jesus, who invites us to come to him, he says, come to me, all of you are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, because I'm meek and humble of heart. We don't find rest on the heart of Jesus and Mary, then we're going to be seeking rest in the arms of the enemy, of the devil. And the, the worst thing is, is that we're so blind, we're not even aware of the fact that we're resting. We have an embrace, we're, we're, we're embracing and we're resting in the arms of the enemy. So that, that, that ignorance, that lack of self-knowledge, can, it can be really catastrophic. Yeah, and we wonder why we're miserable. And then, you know, you sprinkle a little bit of COVID on top of all this, right? You had... And I've talked to people, even people within my own family. Well, you know what? I didn't go to church for a year because I wasn't going to wear a mask. Or, you know what? I'm not going to mass today because, you know what? I found other things that, you know, I'd rather be doing. So we have let all these things kind of percolate. And, and if we're not strong in our love for the Lord, it's easy to kind of get astray and then wonder, how the heck did we get here? Yes. That's why um, one of the one of the names for the devil that our Lord gives, as we mentioned earlier, taken from John chapter eight, says that the devil is a liar, and he's a murderer from the beginning. So he can easily, you know, as you said earlier, the devil uh, cannot manipulate our our um, our will, and he cannot get in. He cannot determine our actions. However, God, God allows the devil to present uh, images in our imagination. God allows that. I mean, he allows God, the devil, to present these bad images and, and to suggest that we do things that are wrong. And as you said, um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the lies is, you know, why, why go to church now? You may, maybe, maybe just kick back and enjoy life because it's the way it is. And the devil is a consummate liar. And unless we're examining our conscience on a daily basis, unless we have uh, recourse to the sacrament confession, unless we have uh, a spiritual director, uh, we can fall into the trap of the devil 
and we can fall into the father of lies. And as I said earlier, we're not even we're not even aware of it. That's the that's the biggest problem. We're not even aware of it. There's no way we're going to be able to correct our um, our bad habits if we're not aware that we have them. Well, yeah, self awareness is really the key, and that's why you know you mentioned examine prayer earlier in this. The more we examine our lives, the more aware we are of our lives and who we are and our weaknesses and our strengths, right? Yes. That's why um, the, the, the daily exam in St. Ignatius is so very important because, and it's not simply a moral exam, even though it can be used to go to confession. However, it's very, very useful because we're able, we're able to see in our lives uh, when we're experiencing desolation when we're experiencing consolation, when we have the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to do something good, where we have um, the, um, the the desolation, which often the devil uses that to push us into tempting us, falling into sin. So, yeah, I think uh, those two words of the Desert Fathers, know thyself, as well as Socrates goes on to say that he, a life that is not examined is not a life worth living, is uh, is so true. Self knowledge is so important. But I think also uh, frequent confession, as well as uh, as I mentioned, uh, the periodic spiritual direction is uh, are very very useful tools to to keep the devil at bay. The sacrament of confession, then talking out, talking out uh, what's going within our what's going on within our spiritual lives and our hearts with a well trained spiritual director is indispensable. Teresa of Avila, St. Ignatius, and uh, all the great saints say that if we really want to advance in our spiritual life, we have to have some type of periodic spiritual direction. Well, I mean, I can't thank you enough. We're down to even less than a minute. I mean, I, I we could have talked for hours on all these topics, but people can go to catholicexchange.com. How else can father, uh, people follow what you're doing, Father? Well, they can go. Uh, they can go to my website, uh, fatherbroom.com, and to my Facebook, and they can get a lot of material. I give uh, daily talks on Ignatian spirituality at 7:30 in the morning in English and nine in Spanish, and they give a lot of Ignatian retreats. And they can go to my archives. So, fatherbroom.com. And they can also go to my Facebook page. And uh, there's a wealth of material that have been accumulating off over the past 10 years. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.